Welcome back, you guys, to Those Murder Girls podcast. It's Friday. Happy Friday. We hope you guys are having a great start to your almost weekend. And a lovely commute for all of you guys <laughs> driving from point A to point B. But thank God you have us to listen to. When you can probably doing your job from home. <laughs> So for that commute of yours, we've got another mashie for you guys. This time it's a little different though. We have two current headlines that caught our eyes and there is some messed up stuff going on out there. Going on in the world. So we have two sad stories, but right and I think and we hope that the second story we're going to be telling you guys today actually has a happy ending in the end. That's yes. what we're shooting for. Of course. And I think everybody involved in this story is. So the first story we have today is on four-year-old Mason Dominguez from Las Vegas, Nevada. So a seven-year-old Las Vegas girl went to school just last week and she handed her teacher a series of notes as her mom had instructed her to do so. It didn't take long for the teacher to know that something was very wrong and something was going on that was very wrong at this little girl's home. So the teacher read on these notes as the desperate mother was just pleading for help, describing how her and her daughter were actually being held against their will by her live-in boyfriend, Brandon Toesland. So she described a dire situation of not knowing the whereabouts of her four-year-old son, Mason Dominguez. The feeling that that teacher had at that moment was probably just sheer terror. Like, what the hell is going on? What am I reading right now? And that is the little brother of this girl, of this girl. handing her teacher a note. It's When we read it, we couldn't believe it. Terrifying. Oh my God. So the mother was being held prisoner in her home that she shared with her 33-year-old boyfriend on Saddlebrook Park Drive in Las Vegas. So she, her son Mason, and her daughter had been enduring some physical abuse at the hands of Brandon and verbal, and Brandon rarely let the mother, who is going to remain unnamed, out of his sight, but always allowed the little girl to attend school. So the Clark County teacher reported the note to the local authorities right away, and they went out to the family home, which was in fact owned by Brandon, and they did an undercover surveillance operation at the house. So while they watched on near the family's home, a man and a woman had emerged from the home and then got into a vehicle. At that point, the police then pulled over the couple, detaining them both for questioning in relation to the notes that was reported by the school teacher. So Brandon was immediately charged with kidnapping. And while being questioned, Mason's mother was describing Brandon holding her prisoner, how she was often handcuffed for long periods of time and living in sheer terror 24-7. It had been over two months since she had seen her youngest child, Mason, and was desperate to find him. She said that the last time she had seen him was December 11th and that he hadn't been feeling well. And on top of that, she knew that Brandon had been heavily abusing him. The mother also said that she last physically saw Mason when Brandon had taken him away from her and the sister and took him into the master bedroom of that home. He then locked the door and barricaded him and Mason inside. Oh my God. She never saw Mason after that. And this is when that them being held captive literally took place. They were like prisoners in their own home. And I can't imagine as a mother what she was feeling during that time. 
So Mason, as you guys have probably seen on our social media posts, just looks like the sweetest boy. He, he is does. so handsome. He has like this fair complexion, but like olivey skin. The cutest little smile. Ooh. He has his ears pierced, which I think is like adorable. <laughs> His family said in an interview on Monday that since the moment he came into this earth, he has just been the light of every one of their lives. He's it, just the oh. sweetest looking. Raina's going to cry. So over sad, I know. <laughs> so since December 11th, the two girls were kept away from each other in the home, the mother and the daughter. They were separated. But Brandon had allowed the seven-year-old girl to attend school, which honestly, in Brandon's sick mind, is very smart because, you know, if your kids don't attend school, people come looking. The law is wondering where your kid is Mm -hmm. and what's going on. So Brandon was smart enough to do that. Brandon would then force the mother of the children to ride to school drop-offs in the car. He would then handcuff her to the steering wheel, all while concealing her behind the windshield shade. And it was there in the car that the mother discovered a stack of post-it notes and a pen. Her escape mode obviously kicked in. This was her chance to somehow plan a getaway and get help out of that captive situation using those post-it notes like she was smart. So it was over the course of a few days of being alone at that drop-off for literally only like one minute that she began to write her letter for help on about eight to nine post-it notes. So she obviously hid, you know, the series of notes from Brandon, and she was finally able to pass them off to her daughter the night before the daughter gave them to the teacher because Brandon had allowed the two to sleep together that night. So mom knew that this was literally her only chance to get that stack of notes over to the daughter, instruct her to give them to the teacher so they can ultimately be rescued. That's incredible that it happened that way, too. This is happening in a neighborhood like mine and yours. And it's crazy. That's even crazier to think to process. You never know. And if you look at the house, which obviously we've posted pictures, you could see, like, you know, it's in Vegas. It's a relatively close neighborhood. Nice house. You know, doesn't look like it's too old. But, like, you never know what's going on. And their neighbors are literally two inches away from them. Like, it's frightening to think. No idea. So according to law enforcement, as the questioning carried on at the station, a team was then working on a search warrant for the house. So with the house taped off as a crime scene, every square inch of that house was searched. There was a garage freezer that held the remains of a four-year-old little boy named Mason. Mm. The Mason that his mother has not seen in months. He was wrapped in a plastic trash bags and his little body was frozen solid and it was concealed from the family who had been so worried about him for so long i know there were family members like reaching out because they hadn't you know heard from the mom they hadn't heard from the kids and, and they he were was in the freezer the whole so time worried so mason's little body was obviously preserved in that freezer and showed visible signs of obvious abuse that took place at the hands of brandon His manner of death is not known, but it should be available actually in a few days because they said it would only take like seven to get back. Brandon had claimed that he found Mason unconscious in December when Mason had been battling that illness. So I don't know if it was like a flu or what, but the authorities aren't buying it. Brandon's attorney says everyone's just jumping to conclusions and we need to wait and see, you know, what the evidence and the autopsy say. 
Law enforcement has already cleared Mason's mother of any wrongdoing, and they are confident with 1,000% certainty that she was only a victim of Brandon, as were both of her children. So Mason's mom began dating Brandon in 2021 after the death of her husband. And in a vulnerable state of grief, Brandon was there to comfort her after her husband's passing. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was there for her. She fell for him. They fell in love. And everything was really great at the beginning of the relationship. There were really no signs in the relationship that anything even remotely as horrible as this would ever happen, yet it did. So another devastating scene that the detectives came across at the house was a huge eight-foot hole that was dug in the backyard of the home. Authorities are sure that Brandon had every intention of burying baby Mason inside of that grave. According to the neighbors, the hole had been there for about a month and a half, which is like two weeks shy of how long he's been missing, right. and that it appeared overnight. So from the neighbor's window, when you're looking into the backyard, you can see clear into Brandon's property, and that hole, there's no way to conceal that hole. It would have been impossible for anybody to miss or not notice unless they never looked out of that back window. So, you know, the neighbor is saying like, dude, that hole appeared overnight. It's been there for a month and a half. Like, there's no question. That was you his know plan. What I mean? That was Brandon's plan. That was Brandon's plan. In the backyard. Yes. Brandon actually had prior charges against him for domestic violence, but he was never officially charged in any of those. So prayers to those women that were, you know, victims at the hand of Brandon. It's just horrible. Absolutely. Brandon has been in a Las Vegas jail with no bail. He was in court this past Monday as Mason's family watched on, vowing to be Mason's voice with the promise to obtain justice in every way, shape, or form for this defenseless four-year-old. Brandon will remain in jail where he is right now for a while and hopefully for the rest of his life. His next court date is April 7th. So the family of Mason plans on burying baby Mason next to his father. Both were taken way too soon. So tragic. And if you or anyone you know is experiencing domestic violence, there are confidential hotlines that you can call or you can text. Please reach out. We have listed the national hotline and one local to Las Vegas in the show notes for you guys. I mean, it's just such a heavy, tragic story. Nobody, nobody deserves anything like this or even remotely close. No. But when we came across this headline, we were like, you know what? Baby Mason's story needs to be told. His voice needs to be heard through all of us. And also the support for domestic violence. You know, victims, they need to reach out and get the help that they need. Absolutely. It's a very important case. So our second headline for you guys today is actually out of New York, and we are really hoping that this one has a happy ending. Yes. So on July 13th, 2019, four-year-old Paisley Schultes of New York was reported missing by her legal guardians. And from the very beginning, many of them believed that she was taken by her biological but non-custodial parents, Kimberly Cooper and Kirk Schultes. Paisley was found alive just last week, hidden underneath a dark, cold, and damp staircase with her biological mother tucked right next to her by her side. 
It was very clear that this hiding space had been used multiple times before, and this was according to law enforcement. And honestly, by the photos they posted of it, it is so sad and scary for Paisley that that is how she was living. And it's dirty. With her own mother. So officers had been to the home countless times over the past two and a half years in hope of finding little Paisley based on tips that were coming in on the case, but they were never allowed too far inside the home if at all. So the areas inside the home that they were al- that they were not allowed into were any of the bedrooms mm-hmm. or the downstairs basement. So they basically like to appease them, maybe like let the cops like into the yeah, we'll entry. Yeah, let you look at a little bit, but don't come too far. And then you have to just, yeah, exit yeah. stage right back. So her biological parents who lived in the home, now the police had visited literally a dozen times in a year. And years the parents have denied any idea as to where Paisley was. They just kept telling the cops, we don't know. Like, she's gone. We have no idea where she is. And even though, like, they had the feeling that she was there and that some of these tips were actually credible, but it's not like they could force themselves in. Right. So they always had to, you know, just believe what they said or, you know, keep their composure, walk away. There was nothing that they could do. And they always, in two and a half years, with every visit, they left making no progress. And what I think is weird, too, speaking of the school topic from the story that we just covered paisley didn't go to school that whole time no not at all not in two and a half years that is that's insane to me so like all these tips that were coming in over the years were considered you know hearsay because no one actually came forward with firsthand knowledge of paisley's disappearance up until very recently so there was a credible tip that was received within really just the past couple weeks and it led officers back to that house but this time they fortunately had a search warrant in hand. So as soon as that tip came in, the officers knew that that was the exact piece of information that they had been needing all along to be able to obtain that search warrant. So at 4 p.m. on February 15th, officers staked out the couple's home, ensuring nobody left while that warrant was being executed back at the station. A little after 8 p.m. that same night, heavily armed officers made their way inside that house. Authorities were super tight-lipped about that tip that sealed the search warrant, and they were also tight-lipped about the person who came forward or anything else that led them to that house. So for over an hour and a half, officers searched the home. And the unusual apartment-like setup in the basement of the home, it actually had a fully functioning kitchen, bedroom, and bathroom. Officers were not stupid. They knew at that time when they discovered that, like, bunker style apartment that they were not far from paisley they questioned her dad and the other man that was in the home as to why paisley's name was on the wall of that bedroom Mm. in the basement like in these pretty like little decorative letters but she's not there we don't know where she is it was pretty clear that this room belonged to a little girl named paisley and also inside that room, there were clothes that were clearly worn, like thrown on the floor. You know, like they just haven't been picked up. So they continued to deny that Paisley had been there. They said they had no idea where she was, but they just had that room ready for Paisley if she ever were to return. Oh, yeah. Okay, we're not stupid. And I'm pretty sure the cops were not buying this story. So... As he walked up and down the stairs countless times, with every step he took, Detective Eric felt that there was just something off about this staircase. He literally, like, kept staring at them, looking at each step one by one. 
flashing his light at every angle until he sees it. So at the top step, just before the landing, Detective Eric looks into the staircase and sees what appears to be blankets and then a set of tiny little feet. Those feet belong to six-year-old Paisley, who lay in this makeshift bunker under the stairs with her mother. Neither of them made a sound or said a word until they were actually, you know, fully exposed to the officer. Oh, they have done this plenty of times before. Like, you mean like drills, like school drills mm-hmm. when they're like, oh, alarm, hide <laughs> under your desk. Except, oh, hey, Paisley, get in the bunker. Exactly. And from all accounts, thank goodness, Paisley appears to be in good health at the time of her discovery, but it was clear, like we said earlier, she had not been to school or anything. She'd been missing out on life experiences that are so important for the past two and a half years. Years. And on the day of her discovery, she was fortunately reunited with her legal guardians and her older sister, and all three of those that were involved in the home have been arrested, and then they posted bail. They were charged with kidnapping. So Kimberly Paisley's mom was charged with two misdemeanors, custodial interference in the second degree and endangering the welfare of a child. Kirk Schultes Jr. and Sr. were each charged with custodial interference in the first degree, which is a felony, and endangering the welfare of a child. And honestly, thank gosh little Paisley is back with her legal guardians because I can't imagine all the anxiety and fear that they were having all this time wondering where she was. Was she safe? Like all the unknowns and just to know that she's in their staircase. That's And the anxiety insane. and fear that she that felt she the past two and a half yeah. years. So. All for what? Because her parents obviously did not have custody for a reason. Right. So Paisley and Mason, all of our prayers go to you. And the families. And everybody involved. Everyone affected. Thank you guys for tuning in to our Mashy today. We hope you have a safe weekend. And Raina and I will be back next Friday with a brand new episode. Bye, Bye guys. guys.